You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Rachel, thanks so much for listening. We love mothers and celebrating Mother's Day, but this day can also be hard for many people. Just one of those reasons is struggles with infertility. On this episode, you get to hear from Bethany Lutz as she shares her journey to motherhood, the struggles and the celebrations and how God was with her through all of it. Let's listen. Well, welcome to the podcast, Bethany. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And happy Mother's Day. Oh, thank you. It's a you fun too. Day. Thank you. <laughs> so tell me, before we start talking about anything, tell me your very favorite thing about being a mom right now. Oh, right now. I know. Um, it changes. <laughs> right? It does. Like every yes. stage of parenting is different. But right now, we've like, my kids are nine, six, and five. And we finally reached this point where, like, they're kind of in- independent, yeah. and um, they really enjoy each other and are friends. And we're just starting to see them as people, um, yes. and it's not just this like arduous task of like keeping them alive every day, yes. you know. And so, um, right now, we're just loving seeing just their personalities and just really forming a different relationship with mm-hmm. each of them as different people. And um, so, I've just loved like just seeing them come to be these yeah it's so different my youngest is four and a half and we're almost there Mm. you know we're potty trained and all that is so good but it's like we're almost to the age where they're all kids Uh, yeah it's just different yeah it's really fun yeah but then you like look and you see babies and I'm like oh Oh, they are so sweet but then I remember like the sleepless nights and all the things (laughs) yes Yes. it's a little easier yes it's different What about the hardest thing right now? Because it is like there's hard things with babies and then Mm -hmm. things get harder in different ways as they grow up. Yeah, I think the hardest thing just I think about being a mom in general um, and like when I became a mom that like your life is like no longer your own, Mm. you know, and like you're now in charge of these humans, these little tiny people and like one making them like live and thrive. But then like for them to grow up to be like kind, like godly men and women right and so I think for a long time the hardest part is like just the physicalness Mm -hmm. of being a mom and like all the things you have to do but then just the anxieties of like am I doing this right or this wrong and then like the world will just bombard you with all the things like if you don't do this then you're a bad mom or you have to do this in like a million different ways and so yes all the mom guilt like I feel guilt if I work I feel guilt if I don't work you know Mm -hmm. just like all the different million things like that's a whole nother podcast in itself but um I think just and I always say whenever I became a parent it like with each child it unveiled a whole nother level of selfishness in myself yes absolutely um and just having to give up a lot of freedoms Mm -hmm. per se um and and yeah wants and your own needs yes Mm -hmm. yeah and you kind of sometimes like feel like you have to die to yourself to be a good mom but Mm -hmm. then like really you just become this like martyr mom that um feels sorry for herself you know and you're not actually then trying to take care of yourself but just take care of others yeah I think that's a really hard thing Mm -hmm. like that balance between real sacrifice but also not becoming a martyr Mm -hmm. also living your own life and having your own identity and taking care of yourself yeah that's hard to figure out yeah yeah it is for me too yeah so we're talking today um, about not just the the good things about motherhood, but even just the pathway 
to motherhood, the struggles and the celebrations that happen along those paths. And there are so many different stories. You know, we could have a hundred people walk in and give us their different stories, but I know that you and Aaron have your own. And so, you know, I'm just hoping today you can just tell me a little bit about your journey and what it felt like and what you learned and all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Aaron and I, we got married really young. I was 21, he was 22. And we had this like plan, right? Because everybody has has a plan. Um, it's a good plan, uh, but we had this five-year plan. So we're gonna like be married for five years and then at five years, we're gonna start trying to have a family. And so um, we, at the time, were living in a little town called Kaufman, Texas, and Aaron was a student pastor there at First Baptist Church, Kaufman. And um, we, I guess, I don't know, three years into marriage, we start realizing maybe five years is too long. Like, maybe we want to start trying now. So we um, start the process and um, do all the right things, and uh, we're not getting pregnant. And I remember going to my doctor, and, um, you know, and she just, and we had kind of like a family planning appointment. And she's just like, you know, like, y'all are really young. You're both really healthy. Like, if in six months nothing's happening for you guys, like, Technically, after a year, you're not considered like having fertility issues, but like with your age and your health, like I would be happy to run the tests before then. And Aaron is a very proactive person who needs a plan at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, And if things aren't going according to his plan, we need to like figure it out and like get it done. I am not that way. I'm very like laid back. Plans stress me out. Actually, I like really hate plans um, for the most part. But so at six months, nothing's happened. So he's like, let's make an appointment. So we um, both get different testing done. And about a month later, I get a call from my doctor. And she basically goes over all the results with us and tells us that, like, I'm so sorry, but there's just no way y'all will ever be able to get pregnant naturally on your own. And so she refers us to a specialist and um, we go see a fertility specialist there in Dallas and um, he does all the testing again and that confirms all of it that like basically your only option to ever get pregnant is to go through IVF. Um, And even then with IVF, we had to go through a whole different realm of IVF. And um, What, what what were those days like? Because I, I have not had to walk through that. And so I, I really can't even imagine that. I mean, did you, were you totally shocked by that? Were you? We were. We were completely shocked um, and really broken mm-hmm. um, because I think in our brains, this was just going to happen so easily. And we would have, be able to post the cute announcement of pregnancy and like go, like that it was going to be easy and fun and exciting. And really, it just like came down to like we were just so broken and sad about that. And knowing that like, like, and then researching and learning about IVF and the cost of that. And Mm -hmm. like knowing like, man, for us to even like, before we can even have enough money to even pursue that would be years, you know? And so it was just like really this, this really helpless place where we had no control either. And we couldn't, um, and a lot of fear and just all these plans we had made were just like unraveling in front of us. And that was really hard. Um, and just a place we just never thought we would be. And like really like infertility 
especially like 10 years ago, wasn't really talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't know anything about it. We didn't know anyone who had gone through it. We didn't. Um, and so we just really went through it alone. Um, and we didn't really tell people about it because part of us didn't want people to know um, that we were going through like seeing a fertility specialist and like that we were going through IVF because we wanted to surprise people, you oh, know, yeah. like we wanted like our families to be shocked and like to be like surprised and like feeling and that's so silly. You still <laughs> wanted all that part of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, which, I still I mean, wanted all that part. Yeah. And, and, um, our, like the medical side of things was on Aaron's side. And um, for him, that brought a lot of shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't want people to know that. And so we really, I just wanted to honor and respect him through that and know that this was hard for him in a different way than it was hard for me too. And so we just walked through it together. Um, you know, our families knew our... Um, some people like really close to us knew like our good friends, but a lot of them didn't live there in Kaufman with us. Mm-hmm. And so we um, were really just quiet and walked through it alone. And then doing student ministry and in a small town, um, people just have a lot of opinions about when you should have a child. And so, I mean, probably every other day I would have kids come up to me oh my gosh, Bethany, you have a baby already. Like, would you just have a baby? Like, why don't you have a baby? And like, I would like hold someone's baby and like Mm. people would be like, oh, motherhood looks so good on you. Like you should really, y'all should do that. And like just constant, like all the time. And um, harmless things, right? That they just didn't know. But like for me, I would like leave the room and cry, you know? And that was hard. But like if we had been open and if we had like, shared these struggles we were currently walking through, like people could have been more empathetic towards us Mm -hmm. and like more mindful of their words and like loved us through that better. Um, Well, let me, I just want to ask you right now, because we're going to walk through all of it, but one of like, one of my questions throughout all of these journeys, and because again, everyone's is different is, you know, how should we walk through these struggles ourselves? And then Mm -hmm. how can we love people no matter what? Because I think when it comes to questions about fertility, people now are a little bit more aware, like don't just ask somebody that who isn't pregnant. Like, I think there's a little bit of that, but, um, but it is still your sort of inclination to be like, Oh, you should, when are you having a baby? Like, why aren't you having a baby? Mm -hmm. So what, what would you tell even people who um, are just around, you know, people who are married, who maybe don't have babies yet. I mean, how should we just never ask that question? What do you think? It's really hard because I find myself, like I'm on the on the other side of it now, right? And I have three kids. And um, and it's a, it's a topic of like small talk conversation, right? Like mm-hmm. you talk to someone, oh, do you have kids? Or yes. are y'all planning to have kids? Or it's just, it seems like a harmless question, but like it's hard. <laughs> I find myself at times I've asked people that and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I know better. Like I know better than to say that because I've been that girl. But um, I think just, 
don't know. That's hard. I don't know how to answer yeah, that. Yeah, and because, there might not be an answer. Right. I think it's just being mindful of the situation and the person, right? Like if it's someone you really don't know that well, you don't know their story, you don't know how long they've been married, you don't know, like just don't ask that question. There's mm-hmm. so many other like small talk conversations you can like ask a person. Um But I think also when you do know someone's walking through infertility and like, let's say you're in a group of women and you're just all talking about your kids, the things they're involved in, the things or whatever, which is just like, you want to talk about that, right? But just being able like mindful and being like, maybe we should talk about something else like work or Mm -hmm. other things going on in our lives and instead of just about our children all the time Mm -hmm. and just being like more mindful of like where people are in their lives and their stage of life and their struggles and, um, or potential struggles that they may have that they're not being open about, um, is helpful. So what about, so you said that you guys, um, didn't really talk to people and you said why, and that makes total sense to me. And I think it seems like a lot of people in any type of grief or struggle or anything, don't always talk about it. I never struggled with infertility, but I had three miscarriages Mm -hmm. and like, within the like nine month period. And I would say it's like the loneliest I've mm-hmm. ever been. I think because it's it's physical and it's emotional and it's grief, it's all these things wrapped together. And so even though people are kind, you're still just sort of in it by yourself. It feels like that. Yes. So do you think that if you would have, if you guys would have talked more about it, like how, how would you have done that differently to have surrounded yourself with people? Or can you even do that? I think it's, you know, so part of our story too is we, um, so we went through IVF and we um, had a successful round and I was pregnant the first time we did it. And um, and then not, my doctor, I guess nine weeks in, sent me then to my OB and I was like a normal pregnant person for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I show up to that first appointment and um, I'm so excited and my doctor's excited and she's like, what if we just do an ultrasound today? And so she does an ultrasound, wasn't expecting that and there was no heartbeat mm-hmm. and we had like lost that baby. And um, that was like the lowest. That's so hard. And I remember not wanting people to yeah. like, be there for me, but I'll never forget. We went home and I was devastated and I was angry. Yeah. So angry at God. I felt like he had answered this huge prayer in our life and then just took it away. And I'll never forget, we were sitting on our couch and we heard a knock at the door And our pastor and his wife, Julie, just showed up. And um, if they had texted us and asked if we could come over, I would have said, no, please don't come over. I don't want to see anybody. But they just showed up. And they sat on the couch. And they just cried with us. And they just prayed for us. They didn't have magic words, but they'd gone through loss before, too. Really deep loss. And they just showed up. Mm -hmm. And they just loved us where we were, and they knew the pain that we felt, and they just appeared. <laughs> and that was so profound for me. And that's something that I am now aware of, because I think so many times when people are hurting in these dark places, it's uncomfortable to go there with them because you just feel like you have to have the right words, that you can't really relate or you don't know what to do. 
and and they might tell you, I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't. And so you're wanting to like honor mm-hmm. them and respect that. But I would say for someone who like is th- wants to be there for someone, just show up. Just show up on the front step with a cup of coffee, not with wine. <laughs> That's something I always have told people um, who have like, what can I do for this person? Like, don't show up with wine because it's a reminder that I'm not pregnant or oh, that I don't really have good. a child or yeah. that I um, don't like. Because usually, you know, someone's down in the dumps or having a hard day, like show up with a bottle of wine, yeah. some chocolate and like, let's hang out. But like, that's always a word of advice I give people is don't show up with wine because it's just a hard reminder. Um, that's just, again, about being mindful mm-hmm. of the person in front of you. Just like, just remember, ex- you know, what's happening. Yes. Yes. So I think that's really helpful because I think that is um, true for anything. Just show up. Mm-hmm. And I do think that most of us think we have to have the right words. Well, I don't know what to say. I don't know what they're going through. So I, it's not me. It has to be somebody else who knows mm-hmm. what to say or how to pray or whatever it is. But we can all show up mm-hmm. for other people. Well, and I remember people would also, well, and at that time, so once we had the miscarriage, um, I told Aaron, I said, we have to let people know now. Like, I, I cannot now have walked through this side of things and after our loss to be asked the questions that we are con- mm-hmm. asked all the time. Like, I might lose it on a 14-year-old girl mm-hmm. if they ask me, you know, like, yeah. and that's not fair to them, you know, and like, we want like these people who are in our lives, who are serving with us, who are doing ministry with us, who are like in our lives and doing life with us to know their struggles we're going through. So, because I was like, I am so broken and weak. I can't do this on my own anymore. Mm-hmm. Like we can't do this by ourselves. Like we had each other and we leaned on each other and we grew so much together, but like we needed a community to help us through this. And, um, you know, so then when we told, especially uh, our student ministry volunteers, like what was going on, you know, they, they knew I'd had a miscarriage, but they were like, had no idea Mm-hmm. All, of All we had gone through to even get to that point, you know, and and um, I think part of them was a little like saddened that we hadn't told them, you know, um, and so at that point, then we had people around us to like help us through the next phase of that. So then we, um, so after my miscarriage, um, you know, your body has to heal and go through lots to just even start the process over again. You know, for us, we knew it's not just like a matter of, okay, let's start trying again. Like there's shots and Mm. tests. And I mean, like I basically became like a pin needle. (laughs) Like I um, had so many injections, so many things, so many things we had to walk through to even get there again. And financial side of that too. Like we just sunk all of our money into that round and now we have to go back through this again and um but then we went through it again and we had some frozen embryo and uh we did that and i got pregnant again um and then at seven weeks i was at work and i started bleeding and cramping and i just knew i was miscarrying again and so i was at work at the time at the time i was working at the church with aaron he was in dallas and my friend Kay. I ran to her and I was like, I don't know what's happening, but my doctor says I have to like come now. So she like drives me to Dallas. We get there, Aaron meets me at the hospital and they do an ultrasound and like 
baby is fine. Um, but they discover I had a really massive um, subchorionic hematoma. Mm. And where it was placed was like literally like centimeters away from disconnecting or from separating the um, umbilical, like the uterus from the placenta um, and like almost right where the umbilical cord was attached. So like if it had moved at all, like the pregnancy would not have been viable. And so they basically send me home on bed rest for, I mean, it was just week by week. And it wasn't just like lay in bed. It was like lay in bed on your back. You get up to go to the bathroom. That is it. At seven weeks? At seven weeks. Wow. And, um, and it was like, you cannot vomit. You cannot. And so like at that point, I'm like super nauseated, feeling, feeling pregnant, but like, you know, you don't feel a baby at this point. And, but. So it's like I would just would lay in bed and focus to try not to throw up because throwing up could hurt the baby. And so each Friday we would go back to the doctor and they would do an ultrasound to see where I was mm-hmm. at and how if it was absol- like resolving. Or, and so every Friday it was like, is my baby still alive today? I don't know. And I just laid in bed with my thoughts and... You know, and at that point, then we had like community of people who were bringing us meals, who were praying for us, who would come and spend time with me, who would, um, you know, walk me, help walk us through that piece of it. Because just especially after like having loss, and mm-hmm. then each each pregnancy is then terrifying. It's uh, yes, you know, I was like waiting for you to say that. I think that's something that people don't understand. Once there's loss, you are just afraid mm-hmm. during your pregnancies. It's not. The same, like it's not a joyful, exciting. It's, no, it's terrifying. It's terrifying, and and so I really like I would just lay there and just not know if she was alive that day. Yeah, and then each Friday we would go, and and you it was feel getting responsible better. too. Yes, I mean I think that's a hard part of that mm-hmm. is you know you can't throw up and you can't move. It's you're already you don't have any control really, but you're still responsible. Mm-hmm. It's a hard place to be. It was really hard, um, but then, I mean, I guess at thirteen, fourteen weeks, um, everything like around like nine weeks. So I was two weeks flat on my back. Around nine weeks, each week had less restrictions, and it was getting smaller and smaller. Um, and then by thirteen, thirteen, fourteen weeks, um, it had resolved to where I could be off bed rest and like everything was good. But then um, my doctor at the time hadn't been, um, he didn't really tell me the full severity of it um, and really how bad it was, I think, to like protect me and mm-hmm. not let my mind go crazy places. But after like showing people the ultrasound of that, like different people in the medical world, like even after Addie Joe was born, they would like look at her and be like, I wow. don't know how she's here. Wow. Like those don't absolve, like those don't resolve like that. Like those don't end well. Like, and we just had no idea. And so we had her and um, she was a total miracle and um, in lots of ways. But then we moved. So we were in Kaufman at the time and we moved here before she was born. Um, like I was eight months pregnant, I guess, when we moved here. And that was hard because like here's this community of people who like, went through everything with us, prayed for her, prayed for me, walked mm-hmm. through so much. And then like we moved before they can even like know mm-hmm. her. And that like grieved me. But we moved here, had her. And then I guess about a year later, we're like, okay, we know we want kids to be semi-close in age. And um, we have these embryos still plenty to like 
build our family. And we um, worked with our clinic there in Dallas and had them ship them to a clinic here. I meet with a fertility doctor here. And we like know that like, you know, we need to save money. We need to like, Erin, we need a plan in place. We're going to do this. And by this month, we'll have a transfer. We'll do all these things. And um, so we are at this point praying for just God's provision for us and just that he would like make it known when, when we needed to walk this path again. And, um, and really we're praying for like financial provision. Like we know we can't start this until we have the funds to be able to do this. And God was providing us in crazy ways. We had like a garage sale that we made so much money off of just our junk. And I was like, that's like what we need to be able to move forward with this. And anyway, so I go to the doctor and she's like, okay, everything's ready. Like you call us when you start your cycle and we will get going. And so a couple weeks go by, I was supposed to start and I never did. And I'm like, whoa, really? Like the one month I need to be regular and I won't. And I'm like so frustrated. I'm so frustrated. And, um, but I knew because there's medication they can give you that will like make your period start. And um, I, uh, but they won't give it to you until you test, have a negative pregnancy test. So I took this pregnancy test and it was positive. Oh my goodness. And I was pregnant with Evan and like, we just couldn't even believe it. Mm-hmm. Like doctors had told us like one in a million, this could never happen. And then like <laughs> it did. And we were just like floored. Like we just were in shock. Like there was just like all these emotions with all of that. And, um, then Evan was born, and seven months later, I was pregnant with Annalie. <laughs> and this, in um, the same way, like, did you like? Have, did you did have you again or no? No, no. I. Okay. Uh, I mean, I had a seven month old. I was still <laughs> no, nursing. I, was like, I had a seven month old and a like, two like a year plan. old. No, I was like drowning in children at this point, and like, um, oh gosh, that was a really shocking day and when that like took I mean it was shocking um but also just like laughable right Mm -hmm. like I like often thought back to the story of Abraham right and how like God tells him like you're gonna be like the father of all nations and like you know they'll have descendants of the numbers of stars and like Abraham laughs you know like yeah that's not possible and um You know, like, I remember the day Annalie was born, like, thinking, like, if someone had told me four years ago that Mm -hmm. I would have three kids in four years at this point, and, like, the way this unraveled, I would have laughed. I would have said that that was impossible. Like, there's no way. Like, do you know our story? Do you know our medical history? Do you know what doctors have said? You know, and, like, um, and so it's just really, uh we just often look back and are just like, I can't believe the way like God did this. And mm-hmm. so like Evan, his name, Evan means um, gift from God. And um, and then Annalie, her name, so she's Annalie Grace. And so Annalie, um, it means grace and then her middle name is Grace. And so we say that she's yeah. like our grace upon grace, like this like undeserved gift that like we couldn't do on our own um, that God just like graciously gave us. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it completely overwhelmed me. <laughs> like, what's it in our Sometimes plan? Sometimes Grace Upon Grace does that. <laughs> oh, it does. It does. And so um, we're just really grateful for just the way God, like, just made all that unfold in our life. But really, like, through all of that, 
um, and through the pain and through the suffering and through all that we went through, I can honestly look back and I'm just so grateful for all of it. Mm. Um, And I wouldn't change any of it. Like just the way that God was present with me and like my darkest hour, like when I was angry at him um, and just the way I felt the Lord's presence more in that time of my life than I had any other time of my life. And I like grew up in church, right? Like I grew up in church since I was a young child and um, felt like I knew a lot about God and that I had a really solid relationship. But it was like through that, that God really brought me to a place of just complete dependence on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and really that I felt his love in a different way than I ever had ever in my life. How, how did you experience God's love? So, cause you said, I wanted to ask you what that, you know, what that transition looked like. Cause you said, I was so angry, mm-hmm. which is, I love that you said that cause that's okay. Yeah. That was a terrible thing that happened and it's okay to be angry and God can handle that. But, mm-hmm. but how did you move? How did you move from that? So I'll never forget this day. It was the day after we had found out that I had miscarried. And um, at the time, like, they call it like a missed miscarriage. So I wasn't like showing any signs of miscarriage or anything. We just knew that there was no heartbeat and I was going to have to have a DNC. So I'm like laying in bed and I'm just can't get out of bed, honestly. I couldn't get out of bed. And I was just laying there and Aaron brings me my Bible and my journal. And he's like, you need to spend time with God today. And I remember like very angrily telling him, take that away from me. Mm. I don't want to hear from God today. And he said, take the Bible. You need to talk to God. Like we both need to spend time in the word, like do it. (laughs) And I'm like, so he puts it on the bed. And so this is my journal. And he puts my Bible on top of it and he just sits it on the bed. And I just like stared at it. And I just like didn't, didn't want to open my Bible. I didn't want to hear what God had to say to me. And um, I opened it up to where I had left off the week before, um, where I had written in my journal of all of my joys of being pregnant, the excitement that I had, praising God for his answered prayers. And I open up, and I'm in James 5, and the title says, Patience and Suffering. And I just wept. I just wept, and I just knew that was from the Lord. And it talks about the importance of suffering and enduring through that. And um, and so this is my journal right here that I um, is really now like a treasured possession of mine that I... um, would just write all of my thoughts and the things God was teaching me and like even just like my angry thoughts mm-hmm. at him. And I just wrote and I just had pages and pages of just crying out to him in anger, but then also knowing like at one point I wrote in here, like I know that like the only thing that will bring me peace is the person I'm most angry at right now. And just being But God, like, just coming in, like, every day. So, like, I open up, and it's, like, James 5. 
Um, and James 5 says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And then the next day, I start First Peter. And First Peter, it's all about suffering. And um, so First Peter 1 it says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And just like every day, like the next day, James, not James, First Peter 2. The work I'm doing in you is hidden at first, but eventually blossoms will burst forth and abundant fruit will be born. Stay on the path of life with me. Trust me wholeheartedly, letting my spirit. Oh, that's that was a different thing. That's not scripture. <laughs> but that was a book I was reading. Sorry, that's not scripture. That was a book I was reading that said that. That was profound for me. Yeah. Sorry, don't don't take that off the record. Um, not scripture. But what First Peter says, this is actual scripture, guys, sorry. Um, for, to, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Mm. And basically every day, every day I would open scripture and God would just speak to my heart. And just like, it just showed me like, it's not like I like Google searched hey, what is good verses to read whenever life is hard or yeah. things that I'm sad? Like I just, God knew on that day I was going to get that news and that's where I had been in scripture. You know, he knew, like he, he orchestrated that and just like every day I would open, I would read, he would speak to my heart and I would journal and then I would pray and like it just like transformed me, you know? And like I saw and felt his presence and just realizing like, the Bible is how God speaks to us. You know, it's how, like, is his words, it is the way, like, when we open our Bibles, he opens his mouth and is able to pierce our hearts. And um, it just was really profound for me. And I just, I often open this journal and read through these things. And, like, in preparing to come talk with you today, I've just been reading through all this and the things I was praying for, the things that, God was teaching me, and it honestly was just one of the most profound times for me. Um, and one, like I said earlier, like that I wouldn't trade any of it because, and not because I can now look forward and see like God's great plan and that He gave me these three beautiful children, right? Like it's because of what he did in my heart through suffering, not what he gave me in the end, right? Like that, you know, like I don't think, well, if I hadn't had that loss and I wouldn't have Addie Joe, or I wouldn't have whatever, it's no, if I didn't have that loss, if I didn't go through infertility, if I didn't go through all that, I would have never had to have depended on him in the way that I did. He would have never been able to take my heart and mold me into the person he's made me today. Um, like that was necessary. And that was a thing like in first Peter, he goes, talks and talks about the necessity of suffering, how it's not just that you might suffer. It's like, 
when you will mm-hmm. and and the necessity of it for us and how the necessity of Jesus to suffer so that we could have life, mm-hmm. you know? And I think I'd always been like, live like Jesus lived, like mm-hmm. be like Jesus. And like, since I was a kid and thinking that that was meant like, love, love people, serve people, be godly, like all these things of things to do, right? That are to be like Jesus. When God just said, no, like to be like me is to suffer like me. Mm-hmm. And like you going through this is going to help you look more like me and, um, and that it's necessary. Like it's necessary. And the story that you wanted to write, the story that you and Aaron had written out would have been beautiful. And like, if this child had been born, Bethany, like great glory would have come from that. But this story that I'm writing is so much better than anything you could have written, even though in the time I just thought it was cruel, you know. Um, But now being on the other side of it and truly seeing his plan unfold for our family and then the way that he's now used my suffering and our story to love other people, to help me be in a place to love people differently than I could have had I never gone through that has truly been a gift. And um and it's just a great way to talk to my kids about their lives too and just how great God is and and how he brought them to us, you know, and just them being able to see God in a different way and just through discipling them and them knowing their story um has been cool too. It's just grace upon grace. It is. Yeah. Constant. I mean, I think there is, I mean, this is so beautiful. Thank you so much. I think it's just going to be helpful for so many people. But I mean, even just you saying I was angry with God and didn't want to, and then how you just saw him just working and moving and speaking to you and just the kindness of God yes. is just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You know, that he is so kind and patient and good to us, even when we really are rejecting him. It's that is always the overwhelming part to me, mm-hmm. you know, that he just moves even when we don't want him to. Yeah. So we think he's wrong. Right. Exactly. <laughs> when we think we know better. Uh, can you tell so of people who are listening and maybe struggling right now, mm-hmm. they are at a place where they are angry or confused. They're in that place where maybe people don't know and mm-hmm. they don't know how to tell people I'm struggling I mean, I think everything you've said is already a good gift, but what would you say to them? Like, what's a, what's something they could do to just put themselves out there with God or with people? Yeah, I think um, being open and honest with the people around you, like first and foremost, I mean, that really is truly our biggest regret is not being open with people. And that doesn't mean like putting on social media and like letting the whole world know. I mean, if you want to, that's fine. But like being being an open book about that, even though it is, it's so personal. Mm-hmm. It's so personal. Um, but really, like, especially if you're in the place where I was just angry with God and just hurt and broken and just um, like truly like, the sound this is so cliche, but like, truly lean on God and like go to him in that, like open your Bible and like truly like spend time with him and like hear from him and, and really like the whole journaling thing. I know that can be like daunting for some people, but just like writing out your thoughts and like, even like 
thoughts of anger and just everything that you're feeling, like getting it out on paper is so helpful. Like I just remember like times, cause I'm not very, um, I'm pretty bad at sometimes expressing my emotions and my feelings. Um, I like to talk a lot, which so it surprises people that I'm like not a super emotional person. Um, but uh, just being able to get your all of your feelings out on paper and not necessarily having to like talk to somebody and like verbalize it to someone can just be so helpful and just take a huge weight off. And then, um, but then it's also like this beautiful gift to like go back and look at later um, whenever you're journaling, seeing where God has you now. And then later when you are on the other side, like seeing God's like provision in that Mm -hmm. for you. Um, But also I think that it's, this is also a hard question because not God's not going to answer everyone's prayer in the way that like you might hope he does, right? Like with women who I've like talked with who are walking through infertility, like sometimes I like don't hesitate to share my story, but like part of me is like, but because just because God did this in my life Mm -hmm. and I have three children, like that's not everybody's story, you know, and that's hard. Um, And this morning when I was reading through my journal, before we started IVF, I, I was reading through like my emotions then and how I just had to get to a place with just open arm, like open hands, just to God, like, if this is your will, let it be done. But if it's not, don't let me find my identity, identity in this mm-hmm. because it's all consuming. Like when you're walking through infertility, it's all consuming. It becomes your idol, mm-hmm. or it did for me. It did for me. All the things you have to track, all the things, all the injections, all the whatever. Like, it just becomes a whole nother job, and um, and so you can become so consumed with that and like what the end result is that you want. But I would just encourage someone who's walking through that that it's hard and it's strenuous, but like don't let it become your identity and mm-hmm. who you are and like the only thing that is the, you know, like that it's an ultimate because God's story might be different for you. And though it's hard right now, in the end, like his plan is always so much better than ours and he brings purpose to our pain. And um, so just seek the Lord and like get to a place where you can just be content in his will for you, no matter what the result may be. That's amazing. I actually think that's a, great place to just wrap up because that just encompasses everything that I think you've said today. Mm-hmm. And it's a good gift. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, thank you thank, so much for having me. It's encouraging just to even think through how whatever we're going through, we can seek God mm-hmm. and we can show up for people. Mm-hmm. We can be there. And well, so, and my biggest, one of my biggest prayers through all that was that I remember just praying that God would bring people into my life that needed to hear my story. And um, though it's always hard to talk about, um, I cry every time and I'm not even a crier. Like I'm not a crier, but it's just something that's still painful for me today, you know? Um, But like just praying and hoping that just like anyone listening to this today, that someone would be able to find hope, Mm -hmm. not because of my story, but because of what God has done in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, and what He has done, just knowing that He is so much bigger than infertility and through miscarriage and through all of these things. Like he's bigger and he's better and um, and I just want people to know that. Yeah. 
Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.